That's bringing it. All right, I'll take that's it. That's bringing it. After this week, that's bringing it. That's bringing it. Okay. Hello, everybody. Hey, everybody. Any background noise, forgive us. Sydney is in her kennel. That's, that's the her. sound of a doodle. The doodle who's being rambunctious. Hey, I'm a guy. I'm a bride. And we are going to read a Bible. We have a special guest with us in the living room studio. Hello. That small little voice is Emily, our 10-year-old. Small voice. Big personality. Yep. She's going to read along with us and just hang out with us. We'll have her read from time to time, but tonight she's just going to hang out in the background. It's been a busy day. It's been a busy week. Busy week, and we are glad. Busy year. <laughs> waka waka. So this is a... I can't believe it's still 2021. Are you going to go there, really? You're so funny. Are you, are you imitating me? What was that? No, I'm imitating our every small talk conversation. <laughs> she has a... Aversion to small talk podcast or radio conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Should we tell the small story? What? Well, when we were on our honeymoon, we tried to listen. Let's not say specific ones. We won't say specific ones because it's probably. What if once we get like really famous, what if they like promote us and then they hear us say. And we don't want to dog them for that. Yeah. But we won't say their names. So we we got hitched. We got hitched a few years back. And I decided that, hey, while we're doing our little driving honeymoon. Washington. We went, and my bride surprised me with a honeymoon in a tree house. Mm-hmm. Epic, all I can say. Uh, I said, let's listen to some podcasts on couples. You know, Christian podcasts on, you know, being a couple or whatever. So we went looking through the uh, Apple podcasting world and. Just kind of punched in couples. And, oh, that one looks clever. Look at that name. So we took it a listen and... Mm, they were terrible. That, oh, just pull no punches. I'm wow. not saying who they are. Uh, okay. They were less than favorable. Well, especially coming from the perspective of a strong personality woman. Yeah. I'm still feminine. Like, if they, if they look at my picture, they'll be like... Yeah. She's not exactly She's very feminine. scary. But to listen to things where it says it's like a couple's podcast, but yeah. the, the wife is like, <laughs> yeah. And like, <laughs> she gets to say like one sentence every five minutes or whatever. Like, it's so choreographed. My favorite was when we would listen to it and the woman would start to raise a point. And I can't even tell if it was a good point because she would get like partway into it and then he would either. To mansplain it away. Which you just did. <laughs> I did that on purpose. You're setting me up for it. Oh, man. Yeah, so she would be saying something and he would turn it into him about himself. Or, quite often. Yeah. And we didn't make it through very many of them. No, Maybe tried. not even a whole episode, which probably makes it sound super judgy. But most of the time, she would try to say something and then the, whoever it was, it was multiple podcasts. So, no offense if you are on one. Maybe we didn't listen to yours. Yours was probably awesome. Why don't you go ahead and just learn from us right now? So we would, (laughs) she would say something and then the guy would like just interrupt her. Like that? Just right, just talk right over her. So she couldn't talk or anything? What? And then change the subject. So she'd be saying something and he would just kind of like, 
uh-huh, and then just dismiss it. Like, not continue the conversation, not say, you know, that's a great point. <sighs> okay, okay. Our, our rant. Can we done? Dare you change the subject? <laughs> Trying to be subtle. But in honesty, we are... In honesty, I am just like every other podcast male. Yeah, just like... Oh! Why do you want to throw that down? Do you want me to let you keep going for 20 or 30 minutes? I'm ready to change the subject. Because this is about the Word of God. That's what I want to get to. Oh. Oh, Did you guys hear that? Snap. Did you hear that condescending, Uh, I'm more spiritual than you? No, no, not at all. This is just a... um, I'm and, the, um, this was did a, you know my middle name is Samuel? This is the I'm the husband woman listen to me condescending tone. That's right. I do not oh, allow a woman. Sydney, our dog, just pouted for me. She just rolled over and she put her head down. That's like, right. Oh my goodness. I do not allow a woman to teach. Is this thing over yet? It's just stuck. That's what she said. Okay. All right, read. I'm over. No. Pray. First Samuel 21. Yes. We must pray. Can I pray? I hope so. Okay. Dear God, thank you for getting us through this week, and thank you for today being a day of rest. I pray that you can open our minds and our hearts and help us to really quiet down any distractions, and then we can learn from your your word, your gift to us. And I pray that we can learn from mistakes of others or be encouraged by other parts of it, and I just pray that um, we will honor you with this time. Just name it. Amen. So to our Keiths and our Susans, we have... Oh, you think there's more than one now? There's at least two. Mm. Well, if you're still sticking around, this one is a doozy of a day. Got to play a little catch-up. So we're doing a double dose. And we didn't look at that because last night I was was pretty tired. Wiped out to be exact. Um, and felt like nauseated almost because I was so tired. We didn't look and see when we decided to have a double dose tonight. 8.20. There it goes. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty late. 8.22, actually. It's pretty It's pretty late here. Um, we didn't see that it would actually be four chapters and for Samuel tonight. But we'll work it. They're not super long, and it's a story. So just Mark is go. going to read it like a story. Yes, I am. And I will try not to interrupt unless it's something that I'm like, hey, my commentary really helps explain this one part. Okay, let me let me wet my whistle. I am drinking love. So um, you guys can um, sponsor us later or give us, um, give us some royalties. But I'm drinking Brew Doctor Kombucha. And I'm drinking love, which tastes like lavender, chamomile, and jasmine green tea. So Nyla loves kombucha. Did you hear what she said tonight? I did. She took a sip. She goes, love tastes good, mom. <laughs> love tastes good. I like that. I mean, they should be paying us. Go ahead. We'll become affiliates. How's and that? I'll let Nyla's voice record it because it's super cute. She's yeah. almost seven and she's a crack up. Oh, she is. Emily's funny too, but she's, she does this thing really well. When you first meet her, she acts like she's really shy and everybody's like, oh, she's shy. And then as soon as she gets to know you, she's like, so... Let's just say how things should go right now, all right? Let's make this whole thing work a little better. But she's charming. In a directorial sort yeah. of way. In a, in, a, in a cute dictator way. Cute dictator way, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
First Samuel 21. Keith, are you there? Ship, 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 ship. David Those are your pages. David protected by Ahimelech. <clears throat> I always thought it was Abimelech. There is an Abimelech. And, oh, and Ahimelech. my goodness. That's right. Here we go. Now David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came trembling to meet David and said to him, Why are you alone and there are no men with you? So David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king charged me with a matter and said to me, No one must know anything about this matter on which I am sending you, with which I have charged you and the servants. David's being a little crafty. So I have arranged to meet with my servants in a certain place. Now then, what do you have at hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever's here. The priest answered David and said, This is no ordinary bread here at hand. There is only holy bread, but only if the young men have kept themselves from women. David answered the priest and said to him, Indeed, women were held back from us as it has been when I've gone out before. And the, king, the things of the young men are holy when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today with the things, will the things be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there except the bread of the presence, which was removed from before Yahweh in order to set hot bread there on the day when it was taken away. Now there was a man from the servants of Saul on that day detained before Yahweh, whose name was Doug, was probably Doeg, the Edomite, the chief of Saul's shepherds. David asked Ahimelech, Is there not at your disposal a spear or a sword? For I took neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's matter was urgent. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want to take that for yourself, then take it. There is no other except that here. There is none like it. Give it to me. So David got up and fled on that day from the presence of Saul. And he came to Achish, the king of Gath. The servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David, the king of the land? Is it not for this one that they sang in the dances, saying, Saul killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. David took the words seriously and felt severely threatened by Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, and he pretended to be mad in their presence. He made scratches on the doors of the gate and let his saliva run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see a madman. Why did you bring him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought me this one? To act like a madman before me? Should this one enter my household? All right. Pausing on the end of 21. I So much. Well, I'm not going to read every single thing, but there's a couple things. Yeah. So there's some stuff where it's just like little blah, blah, blah. But for verse 1, it says Ahimelech. And it says equals Ahijah of 14.3. Apparently that's the same person. Okay. I understand why they have two different names. Couldn't tell that one. Innocently gave David the sacred bread and the sword of Goliath. Christ referred to this event to teach that compassion for people's needs is more important than adherence to the Pharisaic interpretation of the law. Stamp. Yeah. See Matthew 12, 2 and Matthew 4. I don't remember exactly 
because... Is that, is that about, like, eating on the Sabbath or feeding, healing on the Sabbath? Well, I believe, specifically without going there, forgive me, Keith, this is when the disciples are actually picking the grain heads, right. eating that, and then the Pharisees said, hey, this is the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do right. that. And then Jesus said, hey, didn't David... Right. And so Jesus brought this up. And then it says, first two, David's lying and deception eventuated in the tragic deaths of the priests. That's going to be in 22. And... The beginning of this part is okay, twenty one seven, because it said that um he was detained before the Lord. So Doeg was detained at the sanctuary at Nob as a proselyte, or because of a vow, or a need for cleansing, or because he was suspected of leprosy, and that's from the Levitical laws. Mm-hmm. I just find that interesting that even way back in those times. There were some practices about... Cleanliness? Yeah. It's almost yeah. it. Okay. Okay. And then um, David, verse 10, David fled for refuge to Philistine territory wearing Goliath's sword. Um, twenty-one eleven. the anointing of David would not have been known to the Philistines, but his well-knowing exploits commended him as king. So I'm a little confused... Okay. ...why he acted like he was crazy. Well, he acted, without reading my commentary, he acted like he was nuts, like he was crazy. And I try not to use those words. Acted like he was mentally ill. Because um, he went straight to his absolute arch enemy. Oh, okay. And in order to not be attacked by them, because he's alone, he figured if he acted mentally ill... He wouldn't be instantly. He wouldn't seem like a threat. Yeah, exactly. He okay. wouldn't seem like a threat. That's what I thought. I but I like the line that the you know King Akish says is like, "Hey, I've got enough people who are mad. Why do I need another one?" That's so funny. I don't know if he's being sarcastic or if he's like, "Yeah, we got a lot Maybe of." Maybe cr- they had a lot of people yeah. who were struggling. Maybe, I have one note I want to bring into this real quick. It goes back to. Um, the top here where it says sorry about that in verse 2 when David lies here to Ahimelech because so Ahimelech realizing something's on the on the on the not so good uh, so my note I'm reading the uh, faith life study Bible with his notes if you want to go to the website at faith faithlife.com it's awesome uh, if you want to pull it up as an app again awesome it's tied in with the logos software as well but this is free. So anyway, uh, it says, Ahimelech came trembling to meet David. Ahimelech senses that something is out of the ordinary. He surmises that David is a fugitive, and he fears reprisals for Saul, from Saul for assisting him. So in verse 2, David lies. And, he said, and his lie is, no, 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 I'm on a secret, top secret, secret mission. It is so Yay. secret that nobody Yay. knows how secret it is. And... It says here, David's second lie leads to the slaughter of many innocent people. And we're going to see that here in chapter 22. So, uh, I just want to bring that up that his lie will have some serious consequences here. Ready? Go. So, David went from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and all his father's household heard, they came down to him there, paused... I don't know how they heard about it. He was alone. 
Go. Every man in distress and every man who had a creditor and every embittered man gathered to him and he became their commander. Now there were about 400 men with him and David went up from there to Mitzvah of Moab. He said to the king of Moab, please let my father and mother stay with you until I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab and they stayed with him all the days David was in the stronghold. Then Gad the prophet said to David, You should not stay in the stronghold. Leave and go into the land of Judah. So David left and came to the forest of Hereth. Now Saul heard that David and the men uh, who were with him had been located. Saul was sitting at Gibeah under the tamarisk tree in Ramah. Now his spear, <sighs> stinking spear, the spear was in his hand and all his servants were stationed around him. Then Saul said to the servants who were standing around him, Please listen, Benjaminites. Will the son of Jesse give you all fields and vineyards? Will he make all of you commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? For all of you have conspired against me, and no one discloses to me the making of an agreement between my son and the son of Jesse. None of you had sympathy for me or disclosed to me that my son commissioned my servant against me to ambush me as he has been done this day. But Doeg, the Edomite, who was stationed among the servants of Saul, answered and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of Yahweh for him and gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. So the king sent to summon Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab, the priest, and all his father's household, the priests who were at Nob. So all of them came to the king. Saul said, Listen, please, son of Ahitab. He said, Here I am, my lord. And then Saul said to him, Why do you conspire against me, you and the son of Jesse, when you, have, when you gave to him bread and a sword, and by inquiring of God for him so that he might arise against me to ambush me as he as has been done this day. A little sarcasm in his tone there. But Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? He is the son-in-law of the king who moves quickly to safeguard you and is honored in your house. Only today I began to inquire of God for him. Far be it from me that the king should impute anything against his servant or against my father's household, for your servant has not known any of this matter, little or much. Then the king said, You must certainly die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's household. So the king said to the runners who were stationed around him, Turn and kill the priests of Yahweh, because they support David. Oh, man. And because they knew that he was fleeing and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king were not willing to raise their hand to attack the priests of Yahweh. Then the king said to Doeg, You, turn and attack the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and attacked the priests himself. And on that day, he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. And he put to the sword Nob, the city of the priest, from man to woman, from child to infant, and ox and donkey and sheep, all to the sword. 
but one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitib, whose name was Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of Yahweh. Then David said to Abiathar, I knew on that day that Doeg the Edomite was there, that he would certainly tell Saul, I am responsible for the deaths of all your father's household. Stay with me. Do not fear, because he who seeks my life seeks yours. You are in good care with me. And pause. Well, that, um, that was fun. This is rather dramatic, I, like, like soap really opera-ish. Have, like, no. You good? I don't have a lot. I feel like it was clear. I mean, it's hard, but. Yeah. So basically. Saul is just the angriest dude ever. And still the spear. He still got the spear. What is with the spear of his? But I do like, so the only commentary and the thing that stuck oh. with me was in 22 and 23 that he took responsibility. So the commentary for David's deception yeah. brought devastating consequences for which he assumed full responsibility. Like the opposite of Saul, who was like, well, it's not my fault. Well, it's his fault. It's his fault. He made me do it. So it takes some guts to take accountability. Yeah, humility. Mm-hmm. You really got to humble yourself yeah. to look at that and say, I did that. And be willing to face the consequences. Yeah. Because this guy could have taken David out. Yep. He's probably a little scared, David, because he's, you know. It's David. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right, Keith. First Samuel 23. Let's do it. Now they told David, look, the Philistines are fighting in Kayla. And they are raiding the threshing floors. So David inquired of Yahweh, saying, Shall I go and attack these okay, Philistines? This is terrible. The commentator is so da. So the Philistines would raid the threshing floor after the Israelites had done the hard work of harvesting and processing the grain. You betcha. I mean, I've only watched some like kind of cheesy movies about that time. That was like hard work. Well, Kayla... Is a city in the territory of the Philistines. Still. And the threshing floors are areas outside the city where people, all the farmers would come and they would beat the, they would use that area. Mm-hmm. So that way. I just think about Ruth. Yeah, and that's a good thing to think about, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, because he slept with the green. And, was that the same time period? No, no. Ruth was his, David's great grandma. I'm really bad at time. I think it's a great grandma. But even then, even then, it was at risk for being plundered. Yes, okay. it was. I know that was kind of sad. Not sorry, but that's all right. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, two, verse two. Verse two. Sorry, guys. So David inquired of Yahweh, asking, "Shall I go and attack the Philistines?" And I think he's asking that. Just if I can be parenthetical here. Um. This is Philistine territory. This isn't Israelite territory. But so. But he he wanted to fight injustice. Yes. Right. And Yahweh said but to him. Still, instead of like Saul, who fought people just because he wanted to and didn't didn't ask God. Remember he. Yeah. He ignored Samuel. All the time, and he ignored so God. This shows that he had the idea, but he paused. Yeah. It's a good model. Yeah, good model. 
still is today. Because he sees the injustice and says, well, should I go do something about this? These aren't really my people here. Yeah, but he waited. Yeah. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? And Yahweh said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Caleb. I love that. Or deliver it. But David's men said to him, look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Kela, to the battle lines of the Philistines? So David again inquired of Yahweh, and Yahweh answered him and said, Get up, go down to Kela, for I am giving the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Kela and fought with the Philistines. They drove off their livestock and dealt with them a heavy blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Kela. Uh, and the actual term there in Hebrew, this is I like this. He struck them with a great smiting. I am going to strike you with a great smiting, sir. Please be still. Verse 6. Now when Abiathar, the son of Abimelech, or Himelech, fled to David at Kela, he went down with an ephod in his hand. When it was told to Saul that David had gone to Kela, Saul said, God has given him into my hand because he has shut himself in by going into a city with two barred gates. Saul then summoned all of the army for battle to go down to Caleb to lay a siege against David and his men. And when David learned that Saul was plotting evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. And David said, O Yahweh, God of Israel, your servant has clearly heard that Saul is seeking to come to Caleb to destroy the city because of me. Will the rulers of Caleb deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Yahweh, God of Israel, please tell your servant. And Yahweh said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the rulers of Caleb deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And Yahweh said, They will deliver you. So David and his men got up about 600 men, and they went out from Caleb and wandered wherever they could go. When it was told to Saul that David had escaped, he stopped his pursuit. Uh, my little note there, he ceased to go out. David remained in the wilderness, in the strongholds, and in the hill country, in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him continually, but God did not give him into his hand. When David realized that Saul had gone out to seek his life, David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. So Jonathan, the son of Saul, got up and went to David at Horesh and encouraged him through God. And said to him, Do not be afraid, for the hand of my father Saul will not find you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. That's the relationship coming in again. I know. My father Saul knows this also. Then the two of them made a covenant before Yahweh. David remained at Horish, and Jonathan went to his house. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horish? On the hill in Hakila, which is south of Jeshimon. So then, O king, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to come down, come down, or whenever, and it will be for us to deliver him into the hand of the king. And Saul said to them, May you be blessed by Yahweh, for you have shown me compassion. This sounds like such an, a villainous speech to me. Go, please, make certain again. Find out and see exactly where he is and who has seen him there. For they have said to me, he is very cunning. 
Look, find out all the hiding places where he hides. Then return to me with dependable information, and I will go with you. And then if he is there in the land, then I will seek him among the thousands of Judah. Then they got up, and they went to Ziph before Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the Arabah, in the south of Jeshimon. And Saul and his men went to seek him. And they told David, So he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. When Saul heard this, he pursued David into the wilderness of Maon. Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men went on the other side of the mountain. David was hurrying to get away from Saul, while Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them. But a messenger came to Saul and said, Hurry and come, because the Philistines have made a raid on the land. So Saul returned from pursuing David, and he went to confront the Philistines. Therefore, they called that place the Rock of Division. David went up from there and stayed in the strongholds of En Gedi. En Gedi, En Gedi. Nothing? Mm-mm. First call? No, um, you're, you're 10 years older. No. Okay, so... So sad. 17. We both kind of were like, oh, man. So Jonathan, I think, I just think... It must have been hard. I mean, obviously, I doubt Saul was like a super warm and fuzzy father. But it must have been hard for Jonathan to really have to choose between his dad and his, like, brother, best friend guy. But the commentary, I love this. Again, for verse 17, again, Jonathan affirms David's kingship and Mm -hmm. takes second place to David. Oh, so... Three things. He affirms David's kingship. He takes second place to David. And he reconfirms the bond between them. Jonathan, with his military prowess, could Mm -hmm. have been a serious rival to David. Yeah. So it's that, like, setting aside his own power and his own... Oh, yeah. um, It's humility. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that was... Absolutely. And then, what up? I want to know. It's an unanswerable question. We're just maybe I can try. Just we well, thank you, thank you so much. We actually kind of seed it with our own imaginations or whatever. Because there's really nothing in scripture that would indicate this. But how does Saul keep knowing? Well, he's the king, so he might have some good spies. But I'm just saying, this is like there's no text, there's no radios. There's not even smoke signals. And these guys are miles apart from people. And then all of a sudden... I think it's probably written from the perspective of David. So he probably doesn't know. Well, I get that. I get that. But it's like all of a sudden Saul Saul knows where he's at. And then then David hears where Saul's at. Who are these little birds running between these two people? Cheep, cheep. Just ratting everybody out. As like a little Easter egg. Guess what tomorrow is? Uh, Sunday. David and Abigail. It's tomorrow. Mm. It's an important story for you. I love it. I okay, can't wait to tell so, it. So, 24. 24. David spares Saul in the cave of Ingeri. Ingeri. story. I love this story. Okay. Zit, zit. When Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, they told him, Look, David is in the wilderness of Ingeri. So, Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel. And he and his men went to search for David in the direction of the rocks of the mountain of goats. No, the rocks of the mountain goats. That's better. 
He came to the sheep pens beside the road, and a cave was there. Then Saul went in to relieve himself. And that's exactly what you think it was. It literally means, well, it says to cover his feet in the Hebrew. I think it might be potty. Or poop. Maybe so. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of the cave, and David's men said to him, Look, today is the day about which Yahweh said to you, See, I am giving your enemy into your hand, and you can do to him whatever seems good to you. Uh, So David got up and secretly cut the hem of Saul's robe. And then, after David felt guilty because he cut the hem of Saul's robe, he said to his men, Far be it from me and Yahweh, that I do this thing to my Lord, to Yahweh's anointed one, by stretching out my hand against him. For he is the anointed one of Yahweh. So David rebuked his men with the words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Then David got up afterward and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My lord, the king. And when Saul looked after him, David knelt down with his face to the ground and bowed. Then David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of people who say, Look, David is seeking to do you harm. Look this day, your eyes have seen that Yahweh gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some said to kill you, but I took pity on you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, because he is, against my Lord, little L, because he is Yahweh's anointed one. Now, my father, see, yes, see the hem of your robe in my hand. For when I cut the hem of your robe, I did not kill you. No one realized that there is no evil or rebellion in my hand. I did not sin against you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May Yahweh judge between me and you, and may Yahweh avenge me on you, but my hand will not be against you. Just as the ancient proverb says, from the wicked, wickedness goes out, but my hand will not be against you. After whom did the king of Israel go out? After whom are you pursuing? After a dead dog? After one flee? May Yahweh be the judge, and let him judge between me and you, and may he see and plead my case. May he vindicate me against you. When David finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Paul lifted up his voice and wept. Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me the good, but I have repaid you the evil. You have explained to me today that you have dealt well with me, how Yahweh delivered me into your hand, but you did not kill me. For a man has found his enemy, but he sent him on his way safely. Now may Yahweh reward you with good in return for this day, for what you have done for me. So now then, look, I know that you will certainly be king, and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. So then swear to me by Yahweh that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not wipe out my name from my father's house. So David swore this on the oath to Saul, and Saul went to his house. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. All right. The only commentary I had is 17. Saul apparently felt genuinely sorry for the way he treated David, but his remorse was temporary. Not surprising because he's Saul. So we're going to pause for a minute. Where? Okay, but... 
Um, can I just do one thing? Yeah, of course. Note on the hem of Saul's robe. I mentioned this in a previous podcast. I just want to tie into it real quick. Oh, the tassel. Yes, Saul's regnal robe would have identified him as a king of uh, a king of Israel. David's act may symbolically represent his usurpation of the kingdom. Furthermore, he brings Saul's robe into a state of nonconformity with legal standards and numbers in Deuteronomy. Therefore, his act may have may be seen as an invalidation of Saul's kingship. However, I'm going to throw into this that there's a Hebrew word for this called the zitzit, and it is referring to the tassels, identifying his authority on his prayer shawl. So David not just cut the, off Saul's yeah, authority. Just not simply just the bottom of a, a shirt or the bottom of a tunic or the bottom of whatever. It is a specific item that is clear about who he is and why this is important. That's all I want to share. And we see that again. Every, all the way up to uh, Jesus and the woman with the, um, uh, the bleeding. And uh, that'll do for that, and we'll move on to our next book. All right, so moving on to Psalm 32. We had Psalm. to take a little breather to put Emily to bed. Okay, so Psalm 32. This Psalm of Forgiveness is probably the sequel to Psalm 51, in which David mm. confesses his sin with Bathsheba. Let me just take a minute. This is amazing Psalm. It is my favorite Psalm. Mm-hmm. So good. I'm surprised they don't have it after Psalm 51. Just wondering. Well, I just recently heard a study on the grouping of the Psalms. They're, I grew up just thinking they're all in like chronological order, just because... Nobody taught me any different. I just assumed yeah, chapter one always comes first. It was written first. Not so much. There's actually a specific grouping in Hebrew for the different types of psalms that exist. And I don't have that in front of me to go through it, but that is why. Okay. All right. So he describes the blessing of forgiveness that followed chastening and confession that encourages others to seek the Lord's deliverance rather than stubbornly refusing to follow him. And finally exhorts them to rejoice in the Lord. Maskil, it says a maskil, mm-hmm. um, probably means a contemplative or didactic poem. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve, you preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they would come. They will not come near to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. And shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. That's mm. a heavy one. I love this psalm. 
I love it. Um, oh, I'll let you take over from your commentary if you want to go for it. Um, so wickedness verses one through two and five is described as tra- transgression or rebellion, sin or missing the mark by hitting the wrong mark and iniquity or guilt. Mm-hmm. God's dealing with sin is described by such terms as forgiven, covered, and not imputed. Mm-hmm. And three through four, while David kept silent, did not immediately confess his sin, God chastened him physically and emotionally. Yeah. When well, he confessed, God forgave him. That's verse five. Uh, let me jump back real quick. The Hebrew, uh, verse one, um, blessed is he whose transgression is taken away. Term transgression, pisha, or pesha, uh, describes an offense or wrongdoing. That's also in uh, Genesis and Samuel. Uh, whose sin is covered, that term is chata'ah, refers to an offense toward God in Exodus 32. It could be intentional or unintentional. And the term iniquity uh, is awan, um, or actually it should be avon, uh, which means guilt. It can describe breaking God's commands. So David is describing the three different Hebrew understandings of what we just simply in English call sin. But when we say just sin, it kind of makes it real small sounding. And you see that in Hebrew, they cover uh, a real, the weight of it is so much they've given it three different words. So I just wanted to point that out. Okay. So Psalm 33, in this anonymous hymn of praise, the psalmist calls on the righteous to praise the Lord because of his dependability as ruler and judge. Verses 20 to 22 are a final chorus of praise. Sing for joy in the the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright. And all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all, he who understands all their works. The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness, to deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Lord, let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us, according as we have hoped in you. Yes. Um, verses 4 through 5, these verses summarize the heart of the psalm. God is dependable in all his words, 
and works which are characterized by righteousness, justice, and grace. I'm going to read those two verses again then. Mm -hmm. The word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. And then verse 7, the deeps, the vast masses of turbulent water, which God controls. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's there's so much in there. And real quick, uh, the word of the Lord, um, Hebrew word there is yashar for upright. So the word of the Lord is yashar, which means it is straight or level, meaning is a term for honest and trustworthy. Righteousness and judgment, Sadiq describes doing what is right, and justice is mishpat, and that's related to God's judgment. These terms are closely related, um, as Yahweh is often portrayed as just and righteous. It's like they're, they are twins. Uh, there you go. I'm just uh, having a good time with this software right here. Nice. So what are we up to? Um, Daniel. All right, Daniel. Four and five. Four and five. Keith, hope everything's going with all of our Keiths and Susans. Moving right along. We're turning pages. We are turning pages. Should give a shout out to your, your boys. Oh, let's do that. Um, I came across oh, a few months back a tremendous podcast, a couple years old, but I don't know, it did get a lot of love on the, um, the charts. However, charts are created. With Apple and Spotify and Google and Amazon, I do know this. All the fake news. Ah, Just kidding. <laughs> if you if you give it a five star review, whatever your podcast is like this one, uh, I know five star reviews and um, just a quick review. Just type up some like you guys are awesome or terrible. Those mm, things if actually. If you think we're terrible, you might as well not comment. Well, those things actually drive just saying. Just saying. you up on the. And downloads. Oh, really? The, yeah, they drive you up on... Even negative? Um, I don't know about negative. But I doubt it. It'll drive you up so people see your stuff. Right. There's over a million different podcasts, and it, so it's hard so to find So why are we them. doing this? Because we want to. It's just for us. We record this just in case. You know, I'm so morbid. I know you are. That I'm like, well, if something were to happen to me, the girls would have this. That's not morbid. That's inheritance. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the podcast is Just Thinking Podcast. And it's, uh, if you just type in Just Thinking Podcast, you're going to get it. It is so amazing. They don't do like a podcast a week or podcast a day. Uh, they'll do a couple, maybe anywhere from two to four a month because they're long. They're longer than ours. And they are very well thought out, very well researched. Um, Daryl and Virgil. Daryl B. Harrison and Virgil Walker. You have got to listen to this podcast if you love theology. Um, they also uh, go by cultural apologetics. I love that. So you will listen to them and find some challenge for your um, personal reading time and your personal walk with the Lord. These guys are the real deal. Very loving, very well thought out. I can't recommend a high enough Just Thinking podcast. And that's done. And no, we haven't met the guys yet. Come on on the show. Bring your wives. Are uh, they married? Um, yeah. Okay. The kiddos and everything. All right, chapter four of Daniel. Quick cough. 
Nebuchadnezzar declares what the Most High God has done for him. Oh, that's nice of him. Nebuchadnezzar, the king to all of the nations, the peoples and languages that live in the whole world, may your prosperity increase. It is pleasing to me to recount the signs and wonders that the Most High God worked for me. How great are his signs and wonders. How strong is his kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, and his sovereignty is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was content in my house and prospering in my palace. Then I saw a dream and a revelation on my bed, and it frightened me, and the visions of my head terrified me. And a decree was sent out ordering that all the wise men of Babylon were to be brought in before me, so that they may make known to me the explanation of the dream. Then the magicians, conjurers, astrologers, and diviners came in. I told them the dream, but they could not make it known to me its explanation. Then at last, Daniel came before me, whose name was Belshazzar. Actually, that is his name um, in Hebrew. No, sorry. His Babylonian name is Belshazzar. His Hebrew name is Daniel. According to the name of my God, Marduk, and in whom was the spirit of the holy gods, and I related the dream to... Oh, sorry, I'm speaking wrong. Let me go back. Then at last Daniel came before me, Nebuchadnezzar, whose name was Belshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom the spirit of the holy gods, and I related the dream to him. So I just want to point out parenthetically here that the god, the chief god of the Babylonians was Marduk, and they had a lot of sub-gods. So, if the, this is what Polytheistic. we're talking about. Paul, thank you, babe. Check you out with the big syllables. I love That's it. That's a pretty standard thing. I love that. Let's okay. just go, girl. All right. Uh, and I related the dream to Daniel. So, here we go. And verse 9. Oh, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I myself know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Now tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and its explanation. Interpret this. Now these were the visions of my head and I was lying on my bed. I was gazing and look, a tree was in the middle of the earth and its height was exalted. The tree grew and it became strong and its height reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant and it was provision for all. Under it, the animals of the field sought shade, and its branches, the birds of heaven, nested, and from it all the living beings were fed. I was looking in the vision of my head as I lay on my bed, and look, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He cried aloud, and he said, Cut down the tree and chop off its branches. Shake off its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But the stump of its roots, leave that in the earth, along with a band of iron and bronze, leave it in the grass of the field, and in the dew of heaven, let it be watered, and with the animals, let his lot be in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a human, and let the mind of an animal be given to him, and let seven times pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers and the decision by the command of the holy ones in order that the living will know that the most high is sovereign over the kingdom of humankind 
and to whomever he wills, he gives it. He even sets the humblest of men over it. Verse 18, this is the dream that I had, Nebuchadnezzar the king. Now, you, Belshazzar, Belteshazzar, declare its explanation, for all of these wise men of mine are not able to make the explanation known to me. But you are able because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was distressed for some time, and his thoughts disturbed him. It was about an hour. The king answered, and he said, Belteshazzar, let the dream and its explanation not disturb you. So Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream and its explanation be for those who hate you and for your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, and its height reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. And its foliage was beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and so there was provision for all in it, and the animals of the field lived under it, and its branches nest the birds of heaven. It is you, O king, who have grown great, and you have grown strong. And so your greatness has increased, and it has reached to heaven, and your sovereignty to the end of the earth. And inasmuch that the king saw the watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven, and said, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but the stump of its root in the earth leave behind with a band of iron and bronze in, in the grass of the field, and let it be watered with the dew of heaven, and let its lot, let his lot be with the animals of the field until seven times have passed over him. This is the explanation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High that has come upon my lord the king. You will be driven away from human society, and you will dwell with animals of the field, and you will be caused to graze grass like the oxen yourself, and you will be watered with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time will pass over you until that you have acknowledged that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdom of humankind, and to whom he wills, he gives it. And in that, they said to leave alone the stump of the tree's root. So your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven is sovereign. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you, and your sin remove with righteousness and your iniquity with having mercy on the oppressed. In case there might be a prolongation of your prosperity. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. At the end of twelve months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is this not the great Babylon which I built as a royal palace by the strength of my own power and for the glory of my own majesty? While the words were still in his mouth, a voice from heaven came saying, to you, Nebuchadnezzar, it is declared that the kingdom has departed from you and you will be driven away from human society and your dwelling will be with the animals of the field and will cause you to graze the grass like oxen and seven times will pass over you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdom of humankind and that he gives it to whom he wills. Immediately the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar and he was expelled from human society. And he ate grass like oxen, and his body was bathed with the dew of heaven until his hair was like the hair of an eagle, and his nails grew as a bird's claws. 
But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven. And then my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High. And the one who lives forever, I praised and I honored. For this sovereignty is an everlasting sovereignty. And his kingdom continues from generation to generation. And all the dwellers of the earth are regarded as nothing. And he does according to his desire in the host of heaven among the dwellers of earth. And there is not one who can hold back his hand or ask him, what are you doing? At that time, my reason returned to me and also the glory of my kingdom and my majesty and splendor returned to me. And my advisors and my Lord searched me out. And I was established over my kingdom and abundant greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the King of heaven for all his works are truth and his ways are justice and that he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Did he stay like that? No, this is, we're reading here in verse 36, his return. Right. Yeah. But did he, after that, did he stay faithful? I believe the answer is yes, um, because we're going to get into King Darius really soon. King Darius. Darius. And we actually see that when we were... Um, little little tip here if you want a nice little movie to watch to, because we went through uh, Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched Jeremiah. I fell asleep. It, well, it, it wasn't lame. No, I was exhausted. You were tired. It was good. Yeah, but I fell asleep, so. Oh, she fell asleep. I thought she said, I thought it was lame. No, no but Patrick it, Dempsey. I know, Patrick McDreamy. Dempsey. McDream made a great McProfit. <laughs> Did, don't you think his McProfessying was like pretty hot? No? Oh, I love you. <laughs> I love you. <coughs> Excuse me. I said that and I was like, I hope you don't think that I'm like lusting after Patrick Dempsey. Because no, I'm not. I got, I got more on Patrick Dempsey. Oh, for sure. Clearly. They, they offered you the role first. Yeah. Absolutely. Totes. But it's a good one to watch. So if you, um, we watched it. It's pretty it? accurate, isn't it? I thought it was, it was done really well. Yeah. Wasn't it on um, uh, Amazon Prime, was, I think? It was a made-for-TV thing. Uh, so I think you could get on Amazon Prime. It made in 1996, but still very good. Worth watching if you're studying along with it us. It even had his like, head in the stocks and everything. Yeah, done really well. Okay, so back to this. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, um, you've got to have some commentary. Yes. Okay. That's a long chapter. We still have it's 36 five. verses, so let's not try to... We've been to... going for... Over an hour. Yeah, we'll try to make... Let's hey, make sure we cut it out. It's the word of the Lord. It is. I right. get it. I, get um, it. I don't have a whole lot, though. Um, but the chapter is a public decree or state paper of Nebuchadnezzar. So he actually wrote it? Yeah. His, he had his scribes write okay. it, but yeah, he dictated it. Just like any politician. Okay. Um, four, six. Um, I gave orders to bring into my presence all the wise men. And then it said... Notice these wise men were still in the king's employ, even though they had miserably failed him before. Time and I wouldn't have again. really thought about I, That's the kind of thing that you can just, you can kind of just skip over. Like, he got people again. You know, the same people who, like, clearly didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah. And didn't he say he was going to kill them? And he didn't do it? Yeah. I'm not okay. quite, well, he might have killed some of them. He had a lot of them. Okay. And then 4.8, Daniel did not appear immediately, perhaps of his own choosing, or perhaps, or perhaps because Nebuchadnezzar did not summon him for fear Daniel might tell him something he didn't want to hear. Yeah. I think that's funny. <clears throat> in whom a spirit of the holy gods. The king may only be acknowledging his own God's supposed work in Daniel's life, or since gods may be properly translated by the singular capital God. 
it may indicate his recognition of the true God of Israel. Um, so a band of iron and bronze in verse 15, mm-hmm. either for restraint as for a madman or for preservation to prevent the stumps being dug up. Mm-hmm. Seven periods of time. Ryrie believes that it was seven years. Sydney, I'm sorry. Seven years because of the length to which his hair grew. So that's why he thinks Could that's why. Yeah. Um, 419, Daniel was appalled. Not because the dream was unintelligible to him, but because of his reluctance to announce God's judgment to the king, whom he had apparently grown to love. And I think he's saying that because if only it happened to someone that I hate. It doesn't really mean that he loved him. Do you think he loved him? Do I think that Nebuchadnezzar Daniel, loved Daniel? No, that Daniel loved Nebuchadnezzar. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think he was... I think his if he had affection for Nebuchadnezzar, it was because Yahweh would have caused that. So. Um, and then like cattle. So remember, we read this another time. Was it when we started the study mm-hmm. at the church we were going to? Yes. That's why this is sounding way more familiar. Yeah. Okay. We started... We, we got we that much like of it. We started like at 10, yeah. No, this is 4. No, we weren't in Nebuchadnezzar then. Okay. Maybe we were listening to the other yes. sermons and yes. stuff. Okay. Yes. It just sounds really familiar. Okay. Like cattle, the king's illness was boanthropy, which is imagining yourself to be an animal and acting accordingly. A, a condition that has been observed in modern times. Probably the king was kept in one of the royal parks nearing, during his insanity. So, like, they would have just, like, put him in a park? Yeah. That's pretty... Weird. Well, that's pretty, like, awful. Like, the king gets put in a park? Well, it wasn't just that... Well, he was safe there. Wild animals wouldn't kill him if he was uh, all the way out there, you know? And then 34 to 37, the king acknowledged God's absolute sovereignty and his kingdom was restored to him. I wonder... I mean, God is sovereign and he spoke to Daniel. But, like, if he would have acknowledged God's sovereignty sooner, do you think he would have been mentally ill for less time? I think so. I think God would have been faithful to that because it really doesn't say that from this date to this date. It does say periods of time. um, But there was a reason for it, that the repentance came as part of... I would have repented a lot faster. I just know that. I wouldn't let my fingernails gone all crazy. I wouldn't have, I just, I wouldn't have done that, so. But this is one of the, this is a mystery. Um, Because this is, like I said, it's a letter from Nebuchadnezzar describing this time of his life. We don't actually get Daniel's description of this. This is Nebuchadnezzar himself putting this account in, where he, in all of this, when you're reading the language, he's describing Daniel's power as part of the multiverse of gods, you know, the pantheon of gods. Mm Mm-hmm. He doesn't attribute Yahweh toward until the end when his repentance is is true. Okay. Five? Um, Yes, chapter five. This is another cool freaky thing. Mm -hmm. Belshazzar, the king made a great festival for a thousand of his lords. And in the presence of a thousand lords, he was drinking wine. When he tasted the wine, Belshazzar commanded that they bring the vessel of gold and silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his predecessor, had taken from the temple that was in Jerusalem, so that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines may drink from them. 
Then they brought in the vessels of gold that they took from the temple, the house of God that was in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately, immediately, human fingers appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall the palace of the king. I guess not ooh, but just like fingers. Yeah, they just showed up. And the king was watching the palm of the hand that was writing. Then his face changed and his thoughts terrified and, and his hip joints gave way and his knees knocked together. The king cried aloud to bring in the conjurers, the astrologers, and the diviners. The king spoke and said to the wise men of Babylon, any man that could read this writing and can tell me its explanation will be clothed in purple and will have a necklace of gold hung around his neck and he will rule a third in authority in this kingdom. Then all the wise men of the king came in and they were not able to read the writing or to make known its explanation. Then the king, Belshazzar, became greatly terrified and his facial features changed upon him and his lords were perplexed. Because of the words of the king and his lords, the queen came into the banqueting hall and the queen spoke up and said, O king, live forever and let not your thoughts terrify you and do not let your facial expressions grow pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. And in the days of your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, enlightenment and insight and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods was found in him. And O king, Nebuchadnezzar, your predecessor, appointed him as chief of the magicians, conjurers, astrologers, and diviners. Your predecessor, your father, the king did this because there was found in him an excellent spirit and understanding and insight for interpreting dreams, explaining riddles, and solving riddles. That is in Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will tell the explanation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king spoke and said to Daniel, You are Daniel, who are one of the exiles of Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah. And I have heard that a spirit of the gods is in you, and enlightenment and insight and excellent wisdom was found in you. And now the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me, so that they could read this writing in order to make the explanation known to me. But they were not able to disclose the explanation of the matter. But I have heard concerning you that you are able to produce interpretations and to solve riddles. Now, if you're able to read the writing and make known its explanation to me, you will be clothed in purple and a necklace of gold will be placed around your neck and you will rule as third in command of the kingdom. So then Daniel answered and said to the king, let your gifts be for yourself or your rewards. Give it to another person. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king, and I will make known its explanation. O king, the most high God gave the kingdom and the greatness and the glory and the majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. And because of the greatness that he gave to him, all the peoples, the nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wanted, he killed, and whoever he wanted, he let live. And whomever he wanted, he honored. Whoever he wanted, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant, his spirit became hard, so as to act proudly, he was deposed from the throne of his kingdom, and the glory was taken away from him. And he was driven away from human society, and his mind was made like animals. 
and his dwelling was with the wild asses. And he was given grass like oxen to eat, and with the dew of heaven his body was bathed, until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdom of humankind, and whoever he wants, he sets over it. But you, his son, his successor, Belshazzar, you have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. And now you've exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his temple you have brought in before you, and you and your lords, your wives and concubines, have been drinking wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone that do not see and do not hear and do not know, but the God who holds your life in his hand and all of your ways come from him you have not honored. So then the palm of the hand has sent from his presence and this writing was inscribed. Now this was the writing, Mene, Mene, Tekel, and Parsin. This is the explanation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and brought an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on scales, and you have been found wanting. Mm. Oh, dude. Or deficient is the Hebrew. Deficient is what I have. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Dude, this is a bad day. Then Belshazzar commanded, and they clothed Daniel with purple and placed a necklace of gold around his neck. They made a proclamation concerning him that he would be third ruler in authority of the kingdom. That same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom. And he was about 62 years old. King Darius. This is so drama. Drama, drama. Um, what you got? I don't really have a lot. Five, four. I don't remember if it was somewhere else that I heard this too. Because it's just the fact that it was like this giant, enormous party. Um, so five, four. Belshazzar was evidently trying to boost morale in the face of the Persian armies already outside the walls of Babylon. So like... Eat, drink, and be merry, even mm-hmm. though like everything is falling apart. Yeah, it's just not, distract it's not, them, basically. It's not right? wise. Yeah, we're not gonna fight. We're gonna just yeah. do this. And then the queen was Belshazzar's mother in five ten, and then five twenty two and twenty three. Daniel accused Belshazzar of pride, desecrating the vessels from God's temple and idolatry. And then twenty five. The writing was not in an unknown language though possibly in an unusual script and perhaps also mixed up as an anagram. Mm -hmm. In any case, the meaning was unknown until Daniel interpreted it. Um, And then 30, though the city had been under a long siege, the Babylonians thought they were secure, having stored 20 years of supplies and having the Euphrates River flowing through the city. The night of the banquet, the enemy had diverted the water of the Euphrates by means of a canal linked to a lake, which enabled the soldiers to enter under the gates. Mm. Both Herodotus, Herodotus <clears throat> and Xenophon describe this. The date, we even have the date, October 12th, 539 BC. And then Darius, his identity is uncertain. He may have been Gubaru, a governor under Cyrus, the king of Persia. Or Darius may be another name for Cyrus himself. Or he may have been... 
Cambyses, son of Cyrus, who served as ruler of Babylon. 20 years of supplies. So they really, it was like head in the sand, everything's fine, even though they were completely in trouble. Yeah. And that is why I think, I just keep thinking of Jeremiah, like the false prophets that kept saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Like, yes, we're supposed to pray for peace. And Mm -hmm. yes, God provides for us. But there are times when it's like, we are supposed to fight. Yeah. And we are supposed to like, be wise and... Correct. Correct. All right. Anything you have got? No, I'm, I mean, the only thing I want to point out is the transition between chapter four and chapter five is non-existent. We are talking about Nebuchadnezzar and then he's as gone. an animal. And then, and then there's... Bye. He wrote this letter, and the next thing you know, there's another king. Bye, Felicia. We don't know Nebuchadnezzar's death. We don't know if it was, um, you know, was some time after that transition of repentance... We don't know. History is is lost into history. So, I yep. uh, just wanted to point that out there because you were just asking about it. So. Yes, sir. Where are we going? Okay. Um, Where last, should Keith go? Last but not least, um, Luke 2. We're going to read through the rest of 2 and then 3, 1 through 22. All right, what verse are we in 2 there, kiddo? My brag. I just, I just said it. You said Luke 2 and 3 through... Luke 2, 22 through 52, okay. and 3, 1 through 22. So 222... verses? 222 to 322. Wow. Weird. It's two days, babe. I know. All right. Okay. Luke 2, 22. Okay. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This is baby Jesus. Yes. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. It's a little different from the Canaanites, what they did with their babies. A little bit. Okay. And to offer a sac... Oh, oh, oh. Two turtle doves. Oh, not the baby. To offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Like I was just saying. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant, to depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, the light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, in the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple, serving day and night, night and day with fastings and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him 
to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he became twelve, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Oh, man, I would be so mad. But his oh, yeah. parents were scared. Oh, yeah. Scared. But his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey. And they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And I have to remember that, like, it's such a different culture that, like, it really was. They did, like, really lean on each other. It was oh, yeah. a um, collectivist culture, way more than our culture, but still. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw this, saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you are looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be at my father's house? <clears throat> but they did not understand the statement which he made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treated all these things, treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. I still am a little... I don't want to get into, like, a giant thing, because there's this could be, like, a very big and we theologic thing. And we continue going to 30, chapter 3 right. here. But right. um, he didn't start his public ministry until he was 30, right? Correct. But he was still God. So I wonder, like, as a kid, is he just, like, kind of phoning it in? Like, yeah, I actually know this, but I'm going to... I'm going to model what what perfection is as a man? No. It's a little confusing. Well, I I'll and I think say it this, should be because there's you plenty know, of it's... commentary on this mm-hmm. to be found on so many different camps. And I think a simple lesson, if you will, it says that I think it's I think it was just in the previous chapter here in Luke. And I could be wrong. But it's the one where it says that um uh, that the Lord continued to grow in grace and truth. So when he was a child, like verse 40 says, the child was growing and becoming stronger. So we know that Jesus still has to learn the human side of Jesus. He's still learning obedience to his parents. It's not automatic. He has to choose as the 100% man side of him, the 100% human has to obey the mom and dad, Joseph. Uh, so that's really important that he humbled himself. And it says in Philippians 2 that he humbled himself for the role of servant to die on the cross. I think this is an example that at a young age, Jesus needed to be humbled because what he chose was not... Um, humility in terms of uh, I'm just trying to be real careful here he wanted to please his father his heavenly father for sure and so he went straight to doing things to talk to the elders whatever he was teaching was teaching him 
But by doing that, he was causing worry in his earthly home. So he had to humble himself to say, oh, I still have to learn to do this right. To grow in grace, to grow in truth. That's the best I can do. Okay. If somebody's got something better they want to write in on and correct me, I will be happy to acquiesce. The only commentary that I think really should be pointed out, and I I never would have thought about this, especially because I'm not like a Leviticus scholar, Um, but verse 24, to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Mm Mm-hmm. And it says a pair of turtle doves. This shows the poverty of Christ's family since they could not afford a lamb for the offering. Mm. Which I just thought... Um, it just kind of blew up some prosperity gospel there. Yep. Um, and it just goes with... It just shows that like nothing about him was about show or about um, entitlement. Look at here, look at here. No. Like he might, he might have even been embarrassed. Maybe. By the poverty, you know? Uh, if he was, sorry, another person in his shoes because he was sure. God, you know? Anyway. All right. And then 3, 1 through 22. And then we're going to sign off. Baptism of the Son of Man. Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governing, governor of Judea, Judea and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip was tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Traconitis, and Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene. And in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. And he came into all the districts around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready for the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every ravine will be filled, and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight, and the rough road smooth. And all flesh will see the salvation of God. So he began saying to the crowds who were going out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees, so every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds were questioning him, saying, Then what shall we do? And he would answer and say to them, The man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do likewise. Pause there. I think a lot, like, that verse in 11 is something that um, the um, progressive church really zeroes in on. Mm, okay. Like, John talked about repentance, but then he talked about, like, serving the poor. Okay. So, I think because I've kind of dip my toes in some of those churches okay that becomes really what the purpose of salvation is i gotcha all right just before i didn't want to forget that um and some tax collectors also came to be baptized and they said to him teacher what shall we do and he said to them collect no more than what you have been ordered to again same kind of thing 
Some soldiers were questioning him, saying, And what about us? What shall we do? And he said to them, Do not take money from anyone by force, or accuse anyone falsely, and be content with your wages. Now while the people were in a state of expectation, and all were wondering in their hearts about John, as to whether he is the Christ, was the Christ, John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor. Threshing floor again. Isn't that funny? Everywhere. And to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Mm. So with many other exhortations, also he preached the gospel to the people. But when Herod the Tetrarch was reprimanded by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the wicked things which Herod had done, Herod also added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. And when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out from heaven, saying, You are my beloved Son, beloved, and in you I am well pleased. Amen. So, not a lot of commentary. There's like some where the mountains are, and mm-hmm. um, eight bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Um... The meaning is this. Do not trust in your religious ancestry, however good it may be. You must personally have a right relation with God. Verse 9. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees, just as unproductive trees are cut down, so the unfruitful nation of Israel could expect judgment. Oh, yeah. A lot of judgment going on. Um, 14. Soldiers were often brutal to civilians and practiced extortion. 15. In expectation that um, that's regarding the messiah's coming and then 16 baptized with the holy spirit and fire the baptism with the holy spirit occurred on the day of pentecost whereas the baptism with fire refers to the judgments according to the second coming of christ herodias you know in matthew 14 and then on the significant okay that's it good awesome yeah anything you want to add not tonight i mean it was great we uh the I'm glad we actually read the four chapters of Samuel. It is so rich with literature and just a story. It's an epic. That period of time goes by fast as you read it, and I'm not even quite sure what length of time passed during that whole pursuit of uh, David from Saul. I just, I don't know, was it years? I'm sure it's tracked somewhere. But just reading plain text, it's not really noted just how long David ran so far. So I want to just caution Keith and Susan. um, Don't assume this is like, meanwhile, back at the ranch, and everything is happening within three hours of itself. Many, 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 many months are passing during the time as we read this. So keep that in mind. That's really about it. I'm really glad we got to read tonight. That's great. Mm -hmm. You had some great insights. Thanks, baby. You were really funny. Mm. You are. You crack me up. I love you. I love you. We want to thank you for reading with us. We're going to pick this up again uh, sometime tomorrow, hopefully. Let's do it tomorrow. We will do tomorrow. Um, tomorrow shouldn't be as long. I don't know how these are going to show up when they post, but they'll show up great. So again, if you want to reach out to us, write to Andrea and Mark A at gmail.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-A-N-M-A-R-K-A at gmail.com. K-A. And we are a guy. 
a bread. And a Bible. God bless, guys.